Time once again for another Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. My next guest operates a compliance strategy and services provider. Serving the hemp and cannabis industries nationwide, she brings the regulators keen eye and wide-reaching knowledge on evolving compliance and safety mandates to support businesses in tightly regulated industries. I'm happy to go welcome on board the CEO of Alley Consulting, Kim Stuck on Blunt Business. Thanks for being on with us. Hi, thank you for having me. My pleasure. So glad to have you on this program. And if you hear this, for those listeners that listen to the program for any length of time, you know we do like to talk about compliance here. But there's some other areas I also want to delve into a little bit later on, uh, where your consulting companies went on and expanded into, much like Cannabis Radio has done. I'm going to leave that teaser there. We'll bring that up after the first break. But first, let's go ahead and talk about what you're doing with Alley Consulting and you actually have now combined forces with the GMP Collective amid the rapid national growth of the cannabis, hemp, and emerging psychedelic sectors with a focus on goods manufacturing practices, or C, GMP compliance. We've heard a lot about this when we talked about the Canadian markets and outside of the U.S. overseas. Now, through this partnership, the Collective will now have increased availability to focus on working with governments, standards bodies such as ASTM International, and ancillary service providers to lead the development of a cohesive regulatory framework that will align the distorted statutes of the cannabis and hemp industries, both domestically and internationally. The big, this is a very big deal. Talk to me, Kim, about the impact this partnership is looking to make in regards to goods manufacturing practices compliance. This is kind of something that uh, has been in the works for a little while now. Um, David Valancourt, who is the CEO of GMP Collective, and me have been on the ASTM Cannabis standards board together for a really long time, for years at this point. Um, and so we've created a really good friendship and just relationship. Um, and his company did very similar things to what my company does. We deal with mitigating risk, right? We want to make sure that you're making products that are safe for your consumers um, and make sure that, you know, nothing goes wrong throughout the process and make sure you know, that you're supplying what you're actually saying you're supplying. I mean, everyone has seen, you know, the news uh, about, you know, taking CBD gummies and testing them and there's like no CBD in them and things like that. Um, it, it happens. Uh, I mean, it shouldn't happen, but it does. Um, and a lot of our clients, you know, they're the ones that are going above and beyond getting things like GMP certification, um, following ASTM rules and regulations and making sure that, you know, they're doing the right thing. And and so David kind of came to me. He has a much broader long-term vision of what he really wanted for the industry and for his role in the industry. And he decided that he really wants to focus more on the regulatory and governmental and law side, you know, writing laws and things like that for these kinds of industries, because they're in this industry, there aren't a lot of people that are advocating for it. And so having someone that really wants to get involved and change those laws and make sure that they're fair and make sure that they're, you know, creating products that are safe for consumers and that kind of thing is very important. And so that is really his dream. And so we decided, you know, if he wants to focus on that, I can do the consulting side, we can kind of partner up, I can introduce him to my contacts. I mean, it's just been an ongoing thing for years. And Finally, we just decided to come out and say it to the public that, hey, we are teaming up and I'm doing the consulting side of, you know, with companies, if you will, 
and he's doing the consulting side with governments. And so, um, you know, together we are stronger, right? And so that's kind of where it came from uh, and how it kind of happened. It is kind of a big deal because we are probably two of the biggest compliance consulting firms in the United States. Uh, and now we're kind of working together. So, well, definitely working together. So it's it's definitely good news, I think, for the industry, because now we can kind of reach farther and do more together um, and just be better for the industry as a whole. And part of the thing that I notice when it comes to this practice being brought into the United States, because like I said, I'm, when I read stories about this, the Canadian market, Brazil's about to go enacted, and specifically for the medical side of cannabis. I've heard a, mm -hmm. a lot about that when it comes to, and I'm just taking from a story from European Pharmaceutical Review, they talk about how that any company manufacturing cannabis-based medicines should not underestimate the scale of the challenge. It's a rigor, GMP's a rigorous standard and a multi-year process to get there, not to mention several million pounds of investment, uh, to my UK, and moreover, as a controlled drug the interaction with the home office is crucial, demonstrating that you have the highest level of security and controls in place. This is something where, when I look at this, the compliance standards that are being put across state to state by control boards, what would this do to coincide with what each state is trying to do anyway at this point? Yeah, well, most states in the United States uh, do not have a health standard that cannabis companies have to abide by. So right now, a lot of states, most states, um, if you go into a dispensary and those items that are on the shelves, most of those have not been seen by his health department at all, which is a little terrifying from a public health standpoint. But mostly it's because there isn't much of a bandwidth, right? Those local and state health departments maybe don't have the bandwidth, the people to be able to go in and regulate cannabis the way that they should on a public health basis. A lot of them are waiting until the FDA comes out with some regulations in order to do that. But that's not going to happen for any no. part of time. Listen, the Hemp Bill of yeah. 2018 might have gotten some comments from the public for implementation, but we never got implementation ever. No. Even with 2023, it's being kicked the can on the, down the road. I mean, what we've talked about here on the program, that I know that the, the current uh, FDA director, he's supposed to be going up to, get, to Congress now to go ahead and make it, you know, the answer questions about why the hemp bill has been implemented and where they're going to move forward to try to get that done because we need that but do you think that this will be a countermeasure that will basically trump what the fda is doing anyway because if it's not happening then they should just let cgmp be the standard it's been proven that it works everywhere else right the problem is is that they can't decide well the fda was deciding if they were going to do the GMP standard for 111, which is supplements, or 117, which is food products. Like, where does CBD lie? And the issue is, is that it doesn't lie based on their definitions in either of those categories. So they had to kick it to Congress because the FDA can't just create a set of regulations out of nothing. They have to get Congress to tell them that they are able to do that and what they're going to be calling those regulations and, and that kind of thing. So that's really where this whole announcement that they just had um, that came out, they're saying it doesn't fall under each either one of these. They're not sufficient enough to you know, regulate cannabis effectively. So we need to create a new set of regulations and we need Congress to okay that before we can move forward with that. 
And that's really where they are. I agree that the FDA is really just sitting on their hands. Uh, this has been years and years and years in the making for the you know CBD side of everything. Um, I also think that when they do come up with regulations, it will be the groundwork for THC regulations and federal legalization in the future. I hope that it happens quickly, but I'm not counting on that. And that's kind of why my company exists is because there's a lot of companies out there that are realizing this is not okay. We should be ab- be abiding by standards. We shouldn't be making safe products and ensuring our consumers and our customer, you know, customers that they're ingesting something that's safe, right? And so getting those GMP certifications is kind of the above and beyond, unfortunately, in most, you know, wholesale food manufacturing, that is the base level of compliance for quality assurance. Whereas in the cannabis industry, that's like you're above and beyond. And um, we always had the thing where, okay, there will be some companies will have certificates of analysis or they'll have, here's a seal of approval. It doesn't matter. I mean, the thing is, <laughs> I think one of the things that might be a bit of a pushback, Kim, is that with the GMP, the regulations that are required, okay, and the money that's going to be spent by these cannabis businesses, but to do this, because we're talking about, okay, all aspects of manufacturing for the base materials, production facility, equipment, training to the personal hygiene of the staff. That's mm-hmm. a lot of policing, and that's a lot of money that has to be put into that. And I mean, what can you give me anything that where you and David, or we'll have to go ahead and give that justification to these businesses to instill the practices in? Yeah, well, it's uh, it always comes back to risk mitigation, right? It the worst thing that can happen to a brand is somebody getting sick or God forbid dying because of a product or um, even even just, you know, uh, brand recognition. If there's a recall, right? How bad does that look on your brand if there's a huge recall because something got mixed up or there was an allergen problem or, you know, there was a botulism problem, you know, that that's a huge deal. And it makes the entire industry look bad, even when one thing goes wrong in one company, because people who are not consumers of cannabis, you know, look at that and they go, oh, all cannabis isn't safe, right? So we don't want those things to happen. We want the industry to be able to thrive. Um, and, you know, these companies that are really stepping up and deciding to do this, you know, they're setting that standard. And most of the time they won't buy products from non-GMP companies, right? So this is kind of what happened in wholesale food where the industry itself set that standard. Nobody will buy from you in wholesale food if you're not GMP certified. And that's, you know, kind of normal. Like you can't sell on Amazon, you can't sell on Target or King Supers or any of those things or, or, or out of country, without some kind of quality assurance um, measure. And through these accredited third-party companies is the best way to achieve that. And we have a lot of clients that are, you know, we have very big clients. We have very small clients. We have clients that have three employees and they can get GMP certification. It is definitely something that takes time and it does take some effort and it does take a little bit of money depending on how far you are into your business. But it is absolutely doable. It's achievable for everyone, honestly. And I, I want to just make the point across. I say that for any of you listening to this program, yes, you want to, you're going to hear me say can't trust. Yes, I'm going to say can't trust again. I will continue to go back to the story over and over about the importance of compliance. Can't <laughs> trust. $77 million of plants and inventory at one point, they had to burn and destroy yes. because of a compliance issue. I, I want to keep over, over and over again. That company has not recovered yet. 
That is the part that $12 million of biological assets, $65 million worth of inventory, not authorized. I mean, yeah, any kind of price tag that is not worth it for the good of sake. And honestly, when you look at this, what is the price point if companies right off the bat, if they wanted a ballpark figure, what is the investment they're going to have to put in if this is something they get, if they do put this in themselves voluntarily or it becomes a standard? Well, I think it just kind of depends on the company. Very small companies, you know, generally don't need quite as much as larger companies. Just like you were saying with compliance, I actually come from the regulatory world. So back in 2014, which feels like another life ago, um, I was a regulator for Denver County as their cannabis specialist. I did that for a little over three years. And in 2015 alone, I think I disposed of like $28 million worth of product just in that one year. So yes, you're absolutely right. The compliance is very important. And making sure that you don't have recalls, kind of the same thing. It costs you so much money and it costs less money if you put in the time and money right now than you do if you are recovering from some kind of huge catastrophic thing that is happening. So yeah, I mean, it depends on, on the on the company, but for the most part, most companies can implement everything from beginning to end under $100,000. I know that that sounds crazy because it, you know, other there are you know, the EU GMP, there's GMP uh, 211, which is pharmaceutical grade, which has a little more equipment and things like that. But if you're looking for just like the supplement or food and food ingredients, or even some of our accredited certifying bodies have a cannabis specific GMP compliance program, and that is sometimes the way to go, right? And those ones don't cost quite as much. I think the biggest cost in in the GMP certification is, you know, obviously, you know, hiring a consultant is going to cost you some money to get everything written. But the biggest cost is the facility itself. So if you have a facility and you build that facility or or retrofit it incorrectly and then have to go back and redo it again, or you've been functioning for, you know, 10 years and you don't have a hand sink in your production room, that's a problem. You can't get GMP if you don't have like s- simple things like that. Um, and then you have to do redo plumbing and tear up the whole floor. I mean, there's all kinds of things like that. So the physical facility if you can get that right from the beginning, then a lot of your cost is going to to be cut out throughout the lifetime of your company. Peace of mind. Agreed. Yeah. We'll more into now as another area because there's a, a panel you're going to be speaking at. That will, by the time this show is published, you will have already spoken at. <laughs> the infamous South by Southwest Festival that's coming up in Austin, Texas. We're going to talk about a panel that you're going to be featured on. Uh, cannabis and psychedelics were the parallels online at the verge uh, and we'll much more to that in terms of where there's obviously a bit of a stigma for some cannabis companies and how they feel about the psychedelics industry and how the growth is pretty adamant there you're seeing states green lighting pretty quickly when it came to oregon uh, same thing going for colorado it's just happening pretty fast and now we're seeing the results of it and some cannabis companies have jumped on board and decided to go ahead and integrate. And so you've also done the same thing with your consulting. So we're going to talk about that. After a short break, I'm here with the CEO of LA Consulting, Kim Stuck here on Blum Business. We'll be back after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. 
Welcome back to Blunt Business. Uh, real quickly, before we go in, in back into the questions with my guest, Kim Stuckel, the CEO of Alley Cannabis Consulting. Our website is allayconsulting.com. Make sure to go look for that and all the information about what they do there. Before we get to that, I want to make this point here too. Because Cannabis Radio, as you know, as of last year, also made a, our own integration of the psychedelics when it comes to programming. We've actually launched two shows now that are in, in production, uh, Psychedelic Radio and Psychedelic Passage, which I'll tell you, Psychedelic Passage, I got to give credit to uh, Nick Levitch and Jimmy Nguyen. They're one of the fastest growing shows on the network. The audience is fantastic. What a, a wonderful response to the program and what they've been talking about as those that are helping with those in the journey into psychedelics. They've been really uh, such a great response. So I want to just give that point there, but also not only are we doing the programming, we also are going to be hosting our, we're bringing back our conference series once again. Originally it was the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo. We have now renamed it. It's now called DOSE, the plant, the whole plant medicine expo. So we'll be integrating the areas of health and wellness, cannabis and psychedelics all together in one. And it'll be in Phoenix, Arizona, September 9th and September 10th. And we'll give you more information here on the program as it comes along. Uh, we'll, we'll love to get some other We'll have some people that will be speaking, sponsoring, exhibiting, or attending. We'll have some of those guests here on the program in later episodes. Make sure to look for that. But again, September 9th and 10th, if you can make your way to Phoenix, Arizona, we'll tell you more about where the website is, all the information to register. If you want to be a part in terms of sponsoring the event, you want to put a booth together, we'll talk to you all about that. Uh, but if you want more information in the read time, just reach out to me, Brasco, B-R-A-S-C-O, at CannabisRadio.com, Brasco, B-R-A-S-C-O, at CannabisRadio.com. You can reach out all about that. Now, Kim, you recently spoke at South by Southwest on a panel called Cannabis and Psychedelics, where the parallels align and diverge. It's examining the similarities and differences between psychedelics and cannabis consumers, exploring the brand side, the therapy side, and ancillary services and how they may take shape around the psychedelics industry. So like I said, we're recording this conversation before the event, hence the past tense. Talk to me about any parallels you've been noticing now with cannabis and psychedelics as both industries are growing. Yeah, well, one of the big things that um, I think everybody is noticing is the spread of legalization is very has been very similar. It seems like every you know couple months we hear of a new town that is decriminalizing or a new state that's, you know, thinking about legalizing or putting it on ballots, those kinds of things. Um, and it is, it's it's spreading from one, you know, district to the next, one state to the next, because people are kind of realizing, you know, once it is legalized, once a set of regulations is in place in one state, such as Oregon, who was the first state in the United States to do it, um, other states go, oh, well, if they can write their set of regulations, we could probably do it too. And you know, they're thinking in the same sense of the way that cannabis was, you know, tax it appropriately, regulate it appropriately, and that kind of thing. And we are seeing that. We're seeing a, a huge spread. Um, and because psychedelics actually, or, or psilocybin in particular, has so much data back from the 60s. I mean, there there's all kinds of data uh, about treating diseases and how it works in your brain and that kind of thing far more than cannabis had, it's easier to kind of wrap your head around when you're a, a regulatory body, you know, kind of looking at like, should we legalize this or should we not? 
it's it is really rolling out kind of the same way that cannabis was where you know some of these states are coming online and other states are starting to kind of wake up and it's rolling a lot faster um than cannabis was for sure i mean it's also a fascinating about the fact that this is south by southwest which they've been really good at trend setting mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't that long ago oh, i want to make the point of this now uh you just mentioned about you know, talking about industry pa- uh, parallels and you're working in psychedelics and more specifically psilocybin, which you now get the credit of being the first person to mention psilocybin on this program ever. Uh, <laughs> so Southwest was, like I said, the trend setting first with cannabis. And I think it was 2018 they first started or 2017 to forget that they started putting tracks down about cannabis. And now they've expanded to psychedelics. Now they have some of the tracks that are being featured that have been featured were how breakthrough research in a growing business environment will impact the future applications of these novel and traditional drugs. Now, because South by Southwest, such a mainstream conference, decided to go and go along with this, I mean, see even stories now, like, what was it? Lie with Ryan and Kelly, that they even, they talked about psychedelics for a segment. People are starting to talk about it. It's starting to get into the mm-hmm. ether of, you know, culture, the mainstream culture. They're starting to take wind of it. So I want to know, do you think this will make the cannabis industry face the reality that more companies should consider incorporating psychedelics into their portfolio? Because that's, I think, still something that people are still on the fence about. But you're obviously talking to the companies. What are you telling them why this is what, this is something that you can't do side uh, hand in hand? Well, I think that the problem that people have, and and this is definitely something that was pro- will probably be discussed on the panel, um, is that... A lot of cannabis companies believe that the psychedelics industry will be very similar to cannabis. And um, I don't actually think it will be. I think it's going to be a very different beast. First of all, the way that they're already speaking about it, um, even in the context of state to state, the the health and safety portion of regulations is at a much higher degree. Just like I said earlier with cannabis, there's virtually a lack of health and safety standards for cannabis. Um, I've been working on them since 2017 with ASTM, but that doesn't mean that they are regulated, right? It doesn't matter. You know, those regulations can exist and people can follow them if they feel like it. But in most states, they're not regulated when it comes to health and safety at all. Whereas it's starting to look like, okay, the psychedelic side of everything, the especially you know psilocybin in general, magic mushrooms, they're really looking into that health and safety side. And the other cool thing is is that there are already GMP standards for mushroom farming and 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 processing. So we already have a leg up in this psychedelics industry that we didn't have when we went into the cannabis industry that alone kind of shows that, okay, we already actually have a set of standards that is specifically for mushroom grows. Why, you know, we're going to just say that they have to follow those standards right off the bat. So it is going to be a little more regulated than cannabis right off the bat, which, you know, some people are for, some people are against. It's just kind of depends on where you land with that. I think it's a really good thing. I think that we're going to have less issues with it because it's already, you know, it's going to be a little more regulated. They also are taking it from a more pharmaceutical stance than they are just a, you know, selling at a dispensary stance, right? So all of the regulations that have been passed are, okay, you can grow at home, right? (laughs) There's a lot of people that can just grow at home now. 
Um, or you can go to a therapy session, right? And go and get your prescription and go in and do this with an individual. And it's a, you know, it's a, it's a whole process. It isn't, it's very different than the way that cannabis was, was originally laid out, right? Where you get a card, you can go in, you can buy stuff. Um, and the cool thing about, at least in Oregon, is that these uh, psilocybin therapies are offered to anyone. You don't have to go in and say, oh, you know, I get migraines or I have PTSD. Like you can just go in and say, I think that my, I would, you know, I, I would really just like to do this <laughs> and they'll let you do it. So it's not necessarily medical, quote unquote, it's in a therapeutic center which is kind of an interesting way of going about it. But you do have to go to the center. They give you the the medicine on site and you have to consume it on site. So it is very different than like going to a dispensary and buying it and then, then taking off. So um, and, you know, there aren't that many. There are a lot of people in this world that smoke cannabis every single day. There are not a lot of people in this world that take mushrooms every single day. So I think the market is also going to be kind of limited by that as well. Well, okay. Let me unpack a little bit of that. Yeah, sorry. The FDA, no, no, you're fine. Don't worry about that. So the FDA <laughs> approval is a great... That, 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 just see there's FDA approval for various therapies, as you said, for that are that are psychedelic-based. That's the first thing off the bat. And there's and the first thing I learned off the bat was the fact that the FDA is going to have these other certain therapies or other certain parts of plant medicine that are psychedelics-based that will also come up for approval and they will do the same. The other part is, is that they're ahead on the research because of the issues with cannabis research. They can't get the product to go ahead and research with, even though there might be schools, universities and other and academic researchers ready to do that. But the academic researchers are well ahead of the game on psychedelics. Johns Hopkins, Stanford. I mean, I'm hoping that there are dose X, but we're going to have researchers. I want a panel of researchers up there to show the proof. And I see yeah. the proof. I'll tell you what I saw was it from uh, King's College in London. And there's obviously there's some things that there's being talked about where if psychedelics, if treated, can actually cure depression. I want as many people as possible to get that chance if they want that treatment. That would be crucial for the world if people knew they could go and get themselves cured of depression. I mean, yeah. because of the and, and I'm not playing down cannabis when it comes to listen, it can be therapeutic, might not be a cure all necessarily, but it is therapeutic for various different uh, afflictions. We already knew about that for years, but it's the kind of level that things can be done with psychedelics. You know, the idea of, you know, what happens to you when you die, that those kind of things, which you know, that even to me is a phobia that I still have to deal with every day. But now it's also the money part. Let's talk about the financials. The Journal of American Medical Association, they say now that there are already more than 50 publicly traded companies related to development or administration of psychedelic drugs in the U.S. Three valued more than $1 billion. Make that point. Mm -hmm. The market for substances is expected to grow from $2 billion in 2020 to $10.75 billion by 2027. Now, it's not to the level where cannabis is in the $50 million or $50 billion range, but still, that growth trajectory is fast. Yeah. So talk to me about the appeal of psychedelics as a means of deviating and diversifying from cannabis. Right. Well, uh, I think that the, with the way that society in the United States are right now, people are looking for 
something different, right? The antidepressants aren't working. The, you know, we have a terrible mental health issue in our country. People are, you know, we're bringing back veterans from war who have PTSD and almost completely ignoring that they have issues. Um, and we need something better. We need something more. And with psychedelics, you know, if one dose every six months cures your depression, then that's amazing. Um, and and I know that, you know, it would put a lot of pharmaceutical companies in a, in a hard spot, right? If we can do it better, right? We can rewire the brain to think differently and therefore be different. Um, then I think that it's it's worth a shot, right? Um, I think that a lot of people will, and it's safer. There's no side effects. There's no, you know, big issues. I know that a lot of people who have never used uh, mushrooms before, maybe, be, you know, a little scared to try them for sure. I get that. But it's not anything you're going to die from. You can't overdose on mushrooms. You can't, you know, end up hospitalized. Your heart won't stop. It's not cocaine. It's not heroin. You know, it's very different than that. And the experiences that, you know, we've heard, I mean, I'm sure you've um, taken a look on on Netflix. They have the, oh my gosh, I can't remember the name of it, but there's a Netflix series that, um, How to Change Your Mind. Yeah. That's what it's called. It's, yeah, I mean, it blows your mind. It's amazing some of the people that they've had on that show and talking about how it's helped them and how, you know, things can be different. And it's it really is just a rewiring of your brain to make you see things differently. And I think that, we need medicine like that. We need to go back to medicine like that, um, where there aren't a lot of side effects and there aren't a lot of, you know, problems. You don't get addicted to it because um, there's a lot of people in this country that are, you know, stressed out. They're in a lot of pain it, and they need something different that will actually be, like you said, a cure instead of, you know, dealing with the root problems of why we have depression, why we have PTSD and why, you know, why these things are happening rather than, oh, we'll just give you a pill that, you know, gives you more serotonin or, you know, give you a pill that makes you feel less so that you're not so sad. You know, those those aren't working anymore. That was just putting a Band-Aid on the problem. And this is actually changing your your neural network to doing something different. So um, and breaking those patterns, if you will, those unhealthy patterns, you know, they, they've they had really great success with addicts, you know, um, people who are alcoholics and drug addicts have had really great breakthroughs when it comes to understanding what their problem is and facing those demons and, you know, becoming a better person or, you know, cured because of that. And I think that that's a really amazing thing. You know, I, I think that it's going to change the world as long as we roll it out in the correct way. <laughs> yeah. It's going to, I think that's the one thing will be is for some, it's just like anything else with cannabis or psychedelics is adoption. But who's going to come on board and obviously to go ahead and have education and have those that will be able to integrate the idea of doing that as a means of, you know, just finding something when it comes to themselves, you know, just in their spiritual sense, because that's the other part too, the spiritual sense to it, the, the celestial kind of feel to it, what it does for your mindset. I mean, it's so important. And really, I want more research. I want more information. And I want everybody to be able to get their hands on it. Yeah. It's just, And I think there's a couple of things, honestly, that I think the cannabis industry could take from what the psychedelics industry is doing as well. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I think that 
the cannabis, I mean, we could talk all day about what <laughs> the cannabis industry is lacking. Yeah. Um, not for, you know, not saying it's the companies, usually it's the government that, you know, has caused these issues. Um, but you know, there's a lot of things we did wrong. There's a lot of things. And and coming from, like I said, I was a regulator. When I first walked into my first audit, I knew that we were, you know, missing so many things and didn't understand enough. And, you know, and that's why we're running into all these issues. It's it's kind of, you know, the, the Delta 8 and Delta 10. And like, how are we regulating that? How are we, you know, everybody's, you know, very confused as to what they're supposed to be doing because the government isn't really telling them. Whereas with this, we've already got a baseline we already have, you know, research and data stating that this is safe and it's effective. And, you know, so, yeah, now it's just a matter of getting the government to um, federally legalize and then be able to regulate it with, you know, without running out of bandwidth um, or having to write a new set of regulations because that always takes forever. So that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that they take the already existing regulations that they have in like the mushroom side of things and then maybe you know just making a few changes to add psilocybin to them uh, is is the hope that they don't have to reinvent the wheel the way that they are with cannabis we're going to talk more with our guest here kim stuck ceo of la consulting or la cannabis consulting and also psychedelics consulting we'll talk about that and let everybody get a chance to go ahead and learn more about how they can go ahead and understand more of what you're doing and you know Seek out Kim and her team services. Uh, website is again consulting.com. Check the website out as we go to commercial break. We'll be back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Welcome back. I'm here with Final Questions with Kim Stuck, CEO of LA Consulting. And your team recently announced that you're being part of a new project also called the Cannabis Business Practicum. Yeah. So the cannabis business practicum is in its infancy. We just kind of started it um, and we haven't actually put anything out yet. Uh, right now, <laughs> we just kind of announced that we're all, you know, working together and putting together some um, classes, if you will, online classes. We're going to do some webinars um, just about biz basic business practices. Right. I mean, what do you do with HR? How do you get a license? How do you, you know, all of the things that uh, I kind of wish that I knew when I was starting a business, um, just a breakdown of all of that, you know, for, you know, geared towards the cannabis industry, because we've seen a lot of businesses struggling with this kind of thing, because a lot of people in the industry don't have a business degree, right? Um, they're in this because they have a passion for the plant, which you absolutely have to have if you're going to be in this industry. They have that side covered. Usually it's, it's you know, the basic business practices going in com about, you know, things with compliance and legality and things like that. And so we're just putting together kind of a series of classes um, and webinars that people can join. Um, we're going to try to make it as affordable as we can. Um, and that way, you know, anybody it's accessible to can just go in and and you know, learn things. I know that I really love putting them together and talking on the phone with everybody because um, I feel like I learn stuff. Even though I've had my company for over five years, I still feel like some of those basic business principles kind of spark new ideas um, in business. So we're hoping that it, it can support the industry a little bit and kind of help out 
and, you know, just be a good tool for, you know, people who are getting into the industry or people who have been in the industry for a long time to be able to rely on if they need help with just like business and marketing ideas. Wonderful. So with that said, we just get the audience one more time to go ahead and get themselves to the website, alayconsulting.com, <laughs> A-L-A-Y. And real quickly, for those that want to go to work with you, take a minute to go and talk to our listeners about why they should go ahead and reach out to you and what kind of consulting services you provide. Yeah. So we mainly provide um, compliance consulting. So we deal with consumer safety and worker safety and state regulatory compliance. So if anybody, you know, is struggling with their state compliance or just needs some SOPs written, we can always help out. Um, Our main focus is the FDA compliance. And I know that we're not, you know, federally legal yet. So a lot of people aren't too worried about it, but you should be uh, because it will come down the line eventually. And the easiest way to get FDA compliant is by getting uh, GMP certified, which is good manufacturing practices, which is one of the things that we help a lot of companies with. Um, Becoming GMP certified helps your company in so many ways. And it's just a, a smart thing to do, especially if you're trying to exit your company at any point or you know, want to work out of country or anything like that. So um, that's always good. And then we also help with OSHA compliance as well. Once again, OSHA does have jurisdiction over you, even though it's not federally legal. Um, If there's an issue, they will come in and they are the highest fining department in the United States. So uh, we can always help you get compliant with those OSHA standards as well. Fantastic. We talked about right off the bat on compliance. And like I said, there's a lot of good work that's being done. If you need to take your compliance, we talk about it over and over in this program, and we'll continue to thump on this bully pulpit about that on a regular basis. Kim Stuck, CEO of LA Consulting, thanks for being on with us. Really appreciate you taking time out. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And thank you, listeners, for listening to another Blum Business. We'll talk to you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.